This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. This is a fresh agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonca. Welcome to this little spot in the digital universe. Glad to have you here for a while and for a new year. Let me be the 457th person to say welcome to the new year. As I told you in the last episode, January is not my favorite month. The gym is a bit crowded and I've got that thin California blood that makes me feel like I've been cold for three months, but I'm lining up just enough interesting projects that I can work hard and soon I'll blink and it'll be March. One thing I love to do this time of year is set goals and everyone is kind of in that goal setting mood. Back to work, back to school, kind of a blank canvas for the year. I think I told you in my last podcast, I did tell you in my last podcast that my theme for this year is radical relevance, trying to make all my projects relevant to the audience I'm wanting to deliver them to. So I'm hoping that today you'll find special relevance in what our guest has to say. Um, and I've been looking for other podcast guests. I've uh, recorded three or four this week and I'm setting up another few others uh, because I, I want to bring you interesting information that is relevant to you your life and positive. Before we get to my guest, Gordon Treadgold, I got a beautiful new shot from Dave at New Age Ariel. It is a stunning sunset shot behind an oak tree. He sent it to me just after New Year's Day, just gorgeous to wish me happy new year. And it's just one example of what New Age Ariel does so well. We're talking real estate agencies, land developers, movie directors, you tell them what you need from the air and they can get it. And they also have the FAA licenses and expertise to help engineers on the ground, you know, more of those technical types to get the shots that they need of structures and equipment so they can fix bridges, roads, dams, or anything else. If you need aerial photography, videography of anything, you've got to call New Age Aerial. I was thinking how amazing it would be if someone was having their wedding outside this spring or this summer book New Age Ariel to get you some unforgettable shots. I got to ask Dave if he's ever, ever done a wedding. I know he would just kill it. It'd be great. Give them a call. Use the phrase Fresh Agenda. That's the name of this podcast and Dave will take great care of you. That's New Age Ariel 916-645-3474 or newageariel.com. All right. Gordon Treadgold is the specialist in transformational leadership that was named to Inc. Magazine's top leaders. Uh, he has extensive global and international experience gained from leading large-scale transformation programs for blue-chip companies. And I always like to talk to these leadership, uh, transformational leadership experts from other countries as well as from the United States, because sometimes they have different approaches that I find really interesting. Now, Gordon is a natural leader. He has a very simple and practical approach to leadership that allows people and organizations to invest quickly in the process and deliver outstanding results. He was born in Leeds, Yorkshire, and um, I asked him if he was from Scotland. I hope I did not uh, offend him too much, but he says he gets that a lot. He says he either gets Scotland or Ireland, but he is from Leeds, Yorkshire. Uh, he got a BS in mathematics at Manchester University. He was worked in IT, and he's lived and worked in the UK, Belgium, Holland, USA, Germany, Germany, and he was just in California working with a large tech company. His methods are refreshingly clear. So I think you'll really like this conversation with Gordon Treadgold. Gordon Treadgold joins me now. Thank you. I know it's it's late where you are in Germany, so I appreciate you staying up with us and, and chatting with us. Um, you know, I want to start by asking you, who do you work with primarily? 
Um, normally, I, I work with either uh, corporations or individuals. So I, I have a 30-year background in working with Fortune 100 companies, but I also like working with entrepreneurs as well because with entrepreneurs, you know, when we come up with a good idea, we look to implement it the following day, whereas with a corporation, you might have to go through 14 committees, budget approval and business case, and it's not always as... Uh, fast as it uh, as i'd like it to be so i like working with uh, with both types one's a bigger scale but one's a lot more nimble and reactive now i know you work with companies both in the united states and then all over the world as well uh is it different uh, is it different working with companies in the u.s versus uh, internationally no I don't. I think it used to be, but I think companies are much are much more international now. And I'll I'll give you a really interesting example of that. When I was doing, a, I was senior vice president for IT for a company in Germany, and we had to choose an outsource provider. And we looked at both IBM and Accenture um, in India, and I could have told you without any shadow of a doubt which of those two companies was which because their their culture was the, exactly the same in India as it was in uh, in Europe and in the US so I, I think you know I think as companies become a lot more global the the approaches are kind of standardizing Interesting. So tell me how you got into uh, leadership development. Uh, you were in IT, and I know you were a mathematician, and then in IT and running your own companies. Um, how did you get into leadership development? So when I when I uh, I worked in IT for 30 years, and when I first started, what I realized was that if you wanted to get ahead, check on the difficult projects that other people didn't want to do. And, uh, you know, I was really good at problem solving, but... Um, that served me well up to a point when I then started getting into the $10 million projects and I was okay leading those from the front. But once you got into like the $100 million projects and programs and leading teams of a 1,000 people, it becomes much less about your ability to solve problems than it does to help share the approach with others and, and and inspire and get everybody pulling in the same and right direction. So, you know, the, the higher up the, the, the chain you go, it becomes less about your ability to solve problems and more about your ability to lead. And, and I made that observation, you know, fairly quickly when I moved into that, uh, you know, running $100 million programs. And it was at that point that I kind of started to make that switch because... Even though I was very good at what I did, I became my own limit to what I could achieve. And I needed to coach, train, uh, and, and lead others and, and get them to do what I was doing in order to you know, keep, keep growing and, and adding more value. As you work with people, do you find that pretty much everyone has the ability to be a leader? Or are some people limited? So uh, the answer to that question, I think, is um, yes. Uh, I think some people lack the desire to be leaders, but that doesn't mean that they they couldn't be. And, and what I've seen with a lot of people is that they that lack of desire comes from a lack of belief that they could be a leader, but often they'll find themselves in a position where they've got no choice to, but to lead and will uh, step into it. 
So I think we, we've all got the ability to be a leader. And then the second part to that is that there are some, uh, a lot of what we need to do as leaders can be learned, but there are also some natural qualities. I and mean, if, you, if you're charismatic, it makes it easier to lead. And I think I don't think these are a, a mandatory to be a leader, but I think there are some qualities that can help you be a better leader, if that makes sense. So we can all lead. I, I honestly believe that. It's a question of having that belief and a desire, then how how well you lead is a combination of training and, and just some uh, you know, natural ability. You know, natural who, as you look around at some of the most charismatic or well-known leaders around the world, I mean, people like, um, you know, uh, Elon Musk or um, Bill Gates, as you look at these types of leaders, who to you embodies uh, as close to perfect as possible a leader? Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, it depends what you mean by perfect leader, because I think there's I think there's different um, there's different ways of you know different ways of leading. It's you know it's like with everything. You know you, know, you take something like tennis. Somebody can be a great tennis player by being great at serve and volley, or being a a great baseline player. And I, I don't think either of those approaches is necessarily better. It's a question of how well you execute and the results that you get. Uh, I do like Elon Musk. I think he's inspirational. And I think for me, my my favorite leader, although he, he died recently, was uh, Nelson Mandela. I think he was a very um, inspiring leader because he, he he really demonstrated that putting, putting team above uh, personal gain. You know, when he when he came out of prison after 27 years, he took that decision not to seek retribution, but to em, you know embrace his captors uh, and look to create a, a, a you know a, a future together rather than um, seek vengeance and uh, go after them. When you look at what aspects of a leader are most useful when managing a company. Uh, and I'm talking about like a multi-generational company. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot made of, you know, how to manage millennials versus how to manage Gen Xers versus how to manage baby boomers. What aspects of leadership are most useful in this regard? So that's a great question. And, you know, the last team I led, it was a thousand people. Uh, and it spanned the globe. I had uh, teams in Latin America, North America, Europe, Asia, Middle East. And I, you know, my team in Germany was predominantly um, more mature. I had people that had been with the company for 30 years. You know, one one person had actually been in the in the team for 46 years, whereas the the team in Asia had an average age of 23. And what I found was that. Good leadership applied to all of them, and bad leadership didn't work with any of them. And I think one of the challenges now with millennials is that they're a lot less tolerant of bad leadership. They will speak up and speak out against it. So it's about good leadership. And I I saw somebody do a presentation a few years back, and they talked about there was this huge study done over 10 years, and it looked at... Uh, what you call leadership um, distance, which was 
you know, how far from the leader do, do people have uh, levels of influence and on which countries have the, the biggest uh, difference? It was, you know, so it was companies like, um, you know, America, people feel quite close to leadership and ability to influence, whereas in a company like, country like Morocco, the, it was the older people who set the direction and the, the younger people you know, had to more follow what was said. But within that study, they looked at 72 different leadership criteria, and, and they wanted to see whether this leadership uh, distance and the approach to leadership was consistent around the world or different. And what we found was that leadership was different in every single country. And there were only four things that actually were consistent. And those four things were the ability to set vision, the ability to provide um, direction and support, the ability to give feedback and recognition, and not to micromanage people. And when I, when I heard this, I thought, well, what are the other 68 things that you were measuring? Because in a nutshell, that's what leadership is. It's about setting the direction. It's about providing support to the people. And it's about giving them feedback and recognition and not micromanaging them. If I was to define good leadership and was only allowed to mention four things, that would be it. And I think those would be the things that I would recommend people to use. And, and in my experience, that works well, whether you're leading millennials, baby boomers, or, or Gen Xers. Good leadership is good leadership. People want direction. They want direction. They want support. They want recognition when they do a good job. And for please say, do not micromanage me. Nobody wants micromanaging. There are so many studies on good leadership, and it, a lot of, for a lot of companies, it remains elusive. I wrote a, an article a few years ago called Weapons of Mass Dysfunction, uh, where I talked about <laughs> bad leadership and, and the aspects of bad leadership, which is easy for all of us to point out. But, you know, you have just distilled it down so simply, but why is it so elusive for so many companies? Well, I, I think I think part of it is the so, so one of my one of my key skills is uh, simplification and codification. So I like to understand things how they work so we can then share them. So I've looked at leadership a lot, you know, from my own leadership, what worked, what people liked, and others. And one of the things is that we we have a natural tendency to overcomplicate things, and I think that gets clouded. I also think that people believe that leadership is complicated but in, in essence it, it's not it's actually very easy but it's hard to do you know it's like dieting if you want to lose weight there's only two things you need to do eat better exercise more yet we we struggle for some of these simple things to go away and do them i think you know with leadership that setting direction providing support a lot of people in leadership think, well, I don't need to support you because I'm in charge now. So you get that power thing. And um, in, in, in a lot of countries uh, in Germany where I worked, they did not like to provide recognition and feedback. Um, and I got, in, I got into trouble for doing that. Um, they, you know, they kept asking me, why are you giving so many awards? And, and some of the awards I was given was just things like a bottle of wine or 
or paying for people to go to dinner. And it actually got to the stage where a lot of the time I actually paid for it out of my own pocket because the, the company were not happy about it. So I think it is simple, but people overcomplicate it or they're unwilling to do it or they find it difficult to do. Because I, I honestly don't believe leadership is uh, is difficult at all. And one of the most difficult pieces of leadership is actually accountability. But accountability, again, is easy. It just requires the, the leader to be accountable, to set the tone, but then to give their employees what they need in order to be successful. And, and you can do that very simply, uh, get people to become accountable, because you can't delegate accountability. People have to accept it. And, excuse me, and you can get people to be accountable by just asking them, do you have everything you need to be successful? And when they say yes, they've, they've subconsciously accepted accountability because they've just now told you there is nothing stopping them from being successful. But a lot of leaders, when I tell them this, they, they tell me, but I don't want to ask that question because what, what if my team say no? And I said, well, then it's your job to fix that. You now need to be accountable. If you're not going to be accountable for doing your job, your team will not feel the need or desire to be accountable. So I think these are some of the, the things that stop people from becoming good leaders. It is, I believe, simple, but we overcomplicate it, and people are just sometimes reluctant or make it difficult to uh, do the things that are, that are necessary. It's such a simple and beautiful question. Do you have what you need to accomplish the goals? It's, it's, you're right. It's a simple question. And you're right about the accountability. Yeah. And, and, and you know what's even funnier than that um, or, or, or support that? Studies have been done into failure. Uh, and one study looked at projects, IT projects that failed. And on 75% of IT projects that failed, the teams involved knew day one it was going to fail. So if you ask these questions right up front, do you have everything you need in order to be successful? On those 75% projects that fail and people knew day one, if you ask that question, you'd have given yourself an opportunity to do something about it on day one. But people don't want to ask that question. They, you know, they don't want to hear the bad news. And, and sometimes they don't want to hear it because then they have to do something um, about it, and uh, you know, again, it, this is about leaders not wanting to lead and take accountability for leading. Leadership is about um, serving people. It's not about being served. And, and if you go into it to get served, then you, you're going into it. Uh, with an approach that will ultimately fail. So let's, this transitions nicely to uh, your FAST program, F-A-S-T. So if we can, let's take each of those letters. Talk to me about your program and, and how it's helpful. Okay, so just to back up a little bit, and um, where did FAST come from? I was, I was coaching somebody for an interview, and I asked them a question, and I asked them, what are your three key strengths and they said I don't know what are yours and I thought that's a really good question uh, because actually I don't really know the answer to that and I can tell you I'm honest reliable and dependable but 
everybody can say that. And, I, and I've had success in turning around projects. So I went back and I asked myself, is there a methodology that I'm following subconsciously that I could now look at pulling out uh, and teaching to others? And those would be my strengths. And I went back and I looked at, you know, what I did on projects. And, you know, the first thing you do with something that's failing is you find out why it's failing and you try and fix it. Uh, and what I, what I found was there are four key reasons why things fail. Number one is a lack of focus. People don't know what the goal or the objective is, and then they end up focusing on the, the wrong things and failing. There's a lack of accountability. People haven't been, um, they don't know what their job is. It hasn't been communicated, or they haven't been given the tools to do the job, and that's why it fails. Um, or a lack of simplicity. We've overcomplicated it. Uh, and when people lack understanding, it's difficult to, you know, people are not afraid of hard work, they're afraid of failure. So if they can't see how they're going to be successful, or even worse, if they think it's going to fail, why should they work hard? So that lack of um, that overcomplexity, that lack of uh, simplicity, which is about the how, is another reason why things fail. And then the fourth reason I found was a lack of transparency. And transparency is two things. It's about how far do we have to go? And a lot of projects were failing because people didn't know what was involved. It's like, you know, a woman having a baby. You can commit to whatever date you like, but if it's not nine months or more, it's going to fail. It takes nine months for, for the gestation and birth of a baby. So we need to understand what are the the, the um, things that we cannot change which contribute to the timeline and then make sure we commit to something that is achievable. And then the second part of transparency is a feedback loop, which is, you know, being able to see how we are progressing. So, you know, after 10% of the time, have we made 10% of the progress? After 20% of the time, have we made 20% of the expected progress? And if we have, great, pat on the back. If we haven't, then what are we going to do to turn around and fix it? And that's where that's where FAST came from. And that was the process that I realized I was using. And, and not only did I realize I was using that to turn things around, but to stop them from failing, but actually, once you do that, those things actually work together to actually allow you to accelerate success because the simpler you make it, the easier it is to focus. The more transparency you have, the easier it is to hold people accountable because, you know, you said we were going to be 10% done by this day. We're only 8%. What are you going to do about that now? So as they work together, you know, once you, then once you turn the corner and you get it going forward, Focus, accountability, simplicity, and transparency allow you to actually accelerate the progress you're making. Focus and accountability help increase your effectiveness, progress towards the target, and simplicity and transparency allow you to improve the efficiency so you can actually make more progress with less effort. Or if you increase the effort, you'll get even more uh, progress out of it. I know that was 
That was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, that was fantastic, though. You, you laid it out beautifully and explained it well. So when you walk into a company and you get uh, the basic information that you need to start your process, can you see immediately where uh, the problem is? It's in the focus portion or it's in the simplicity portion? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes and no. Sometimes um, it's glaringly obvious and sometimes it requires a little bit of working because you know not every company is performing badly some companies can just need you know they just need to perform a little bit better you know you need to set them from 80 percent to 100 percent. so there you need to do a little bit more analysis but where companies are not doing great you know quite often it's very spot i did some work with a company in california and um i did a talk on fast um them at one of their strategy workshops and you know they, it was a three-day workshop and they asked me to stay for the first two days and the first day they did a i helped them design the two days and we started in the morning with a review of 2018 and then in the sorry 2017 um and then we did a look forward for 2018 and then i did the fast because i a lot of times people ask me to speak at the end, but I change the way people think. And you want that at the start as an input, not afterwards when you've done everything because it just undoes all the work. And so I did the talk and it went really well. And then the, the CEO said to me, do you have any feedback for us on what we presented for last year and this year? And I said, well, I have a question. And I said, what's your goal for 2018? I said, oh, yeah, we have a goal, and it's very, very clear. And I said, I didn't ask you if it was clear. I asked you what the goal was. I said, you mean like the actual goal? And I'm very simple. If people don't tell me the answer, I know the answer's not. <laughs> it, was, it was clear to me the longer she avoided the question. And, and, and so I, I probed a bit more. I said, well, the goals are buried in the presentation. And I was like, well, why would you bury the goals? We're sat here with your senior management team. And then as we started to look at it, she said, well, we, we, we don't have a defined goal, but we have a, a statement of intent. I was like, okay, what's the statement of intent? She said, we'll make more money. Well, that's not a goal, you know. And, and we looked at it and they, we ended up, they were, they'd made 40 million that, that year in, in revenue, and they were having 12 and a half million. And she didn't want to put a 2018 goal down because she's a little bit worried about, um, you know, sometimes they go at 10, sometimes they go at 15%. And, and there, what we did was we looked at it, and I said, well, why don't we take the average over three years? And in three years, you'd be at 60 million. And as soon as I said that, our entire team were like, yes. Let's go for 60 million in three years. But the CEO was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. What about profitability? You know, I don't just want to grow without profitability. But anyway, we went through uh, we went through all this, and we ended up saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to set a target of X million of revenue, X percent of profitability, and X percent for the the largest. Uh, you know, they, they were worried a little bit that you know one company that they were dealing with might become too big of a supplier and they would then they would be at risk if that company trusted so we set a cap on how big any one customer uh, could be but that you know that was a company who were moderately successful but yet they had no goals whatsoever 
And I did a, I did another piece of work with a university, and they had crystal clear goals. They had five different university departments. Each department had five goals. So this was 25 goals overall. Uh, and when I when I was looking at it, you know, I'm a smart man. And I thought, this is a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't fit together. So I went in to see them, and because you know, they were lacking motivation, and I just said, guys, this makes no sense to me. What if we threw them away and we just had one goal? What would it be? And everybody in Unison said, we'd be the top 50 universities in the country. It's like, okay, well, let's write that down. I was like, what about any other goals? And they said, no. If we set that as the goal, Everything else that we want to do falls underneath that because, you know, in order to be in the top 50, we need to get better lecturers. We need to, you know, teach more uh, aggressively. We need to be bringing a higher quality of student in and we need to get more investment. So by doing that, I mean, that one goal, we were able to um, not only get everybody on the same page and looking forward. We actually had, we went from an organization who was scratching their heads, demotivated to uh, excited and engaged. So yeah, when I go and see companies, sometimes it's very, very obvious to me what the the problem is. Do you have to answer questions. Uh, no, that's great. That's great. Uh, you know, I, um, uh, as we move forward in, in 2019, what do you see as the trends that leaders will be dealing with? Is it the increased uh, technology that a lot of companies are using? Is it, uh, you know, an additional generation of, of workers entering the workforce with perhaps bringing uh, a little bit different to the culture? What do you see as the trends? Um, so I, that, that's a question I can't really answer. What I can do is I can tell you what I think the challenge is going to be, and then I think the trend has to be, and how do we answer that challenge? Um, I, I think the challenge we've got is that we do have uh, a landscape where the, the the level of change is accelerating. Even you know we've been. We've been saying since I was uh, knee-high that change is uh, getting faster, but I think over the last two or three years, it, it's exceeded anything that I've seen in the previous, you know, 30 years in business. And we've got a, we've got a more um, diverse, uh, not diverse, what's the word, a distributed workforce. So it's more virtual teams and with with complexity and people in diversified areas, and also as well, the other thing that we're seeing, especially in retail, is increased competition. I mean, anybody who's in retail needs to be, you know, asking themselves, how are you going to stop Amazon from eating your lunch? Uh, so we've got competition, complexity, and uh, distributed virtual teams. And the question is going to be, how do you lead in that kind of environment where you need to create simple, clear visions that can inspire and get everybody working to maximum benefit, to get you know, all pulling in the same direction and the right direction um, for your business. And I think one of the trends that has been happening in IT has been uh, the move to a more agile approach, which is about, um, you know, we used to have, it never really worked, but previous model of leadership was a centralized 
command and control, and and now it's going to be more a centralised command where you set direction, um, but with a more distributed control where in IT we, we push the decision making down to the lower levels within the organisation. So I think that that is going to be that's one of the answers to this problem uh, of, of how you do that, and I think. I think that's going to be probably the trend that, you know, how do you deal with that distributed workforce, increased competition and complexity? Because if you can't keep it simple, you're not going to get the efficiency and results you're looking for. Right. Right. So I ask all of my guests this question. What do you do to kind of replenish your own creativity and energy to, to do the work that you do? What is, what is something that you do to kind of take care of yourself so that you can take care of your clients? Well, it's interesting. That's an interesting question because I, I'm, I'm somebody who I, I'm awake at 5 a.m. every morning and I don't need a lot of sleep. And I... I've always been high energy, but over the last five years, I've started uh, marathon running. And um, so, so I actually you know, go and run three or four times a week. And I find that that allows me to, you know, going for a one hour run, in, you know, and I tend to do it first thing in the morning. You know, I think people need to figure out what time's best for them. Don't try and do it at a time that doesn't work for you. But for me, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning is a good time. But, but I just find that going running at that time of day, uh, not running quickly, as I said, you know, training for marathons, you're running in uh, what they call fat burning, just jogging. And that just allows me to, it just kind of empties my mind of all of the, uh, challenges and stress and worries, and then you know allows me to become uh, creative and gives me good energy for the day. Excellent. All right, Gordon Treadgold, tell us how we can find you. And I know that you have a book out, so so let's chat about that and and so people can figure out where to get where to get your good information. So uh, very simple. I'm, I'm I'm ridiculously fortunate. I am the only Gordon Treadgold in the entire world. Uh, bizarre, I know. My son's a musician, and there's about 60 people with that same name. But if people just Google me, Gordon uh, Treadgold, they'll find where I've written on Inc. Entrepreneur. They'll find my uh, website very easily, same on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and if you want to look at my book, Fast, which I think is it's an agile framework that allows you to lead in a distributed um complex competitive environment you can find that on uh, amazon.com and just do a search for gordon Treadgold fast and it's a it's about a 220 page book you can read it in two hours but it's one of those things where it's easy to read but you'll keep coming back to it because the, the principles are so simple and so powerful once you start to understand them and use them it'll actually open up more understanding you and you'll want to come back and look at it and think about it and say okay now how can i use this you know a little bit differently in order to get even more uh, benefit from it perfect sounds like a good addition to a leadership reference library thank you so much gordon treadgold we appreciate you staying up late for us it's only 5 p.m (laughs) <laughs> oh, good. It's only five. Excellent. <laughs> you got the whole night ahead of you to work. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gordon at Treadgold. Just a really nice guy, like a guy definitely I could have a few pints with and talk to for much longer. Uh, interesting person. You can uh, read more about him at his website, of course, which I will link on my podcast website. Um, before I go, really interesting new survey out concerning audio and the strength of audio, which, you know, I have a vested interest in now that I am a, a member of iHeartMedia. Uh, it talks about this new survey, talks about how much more trustworthy radio is. It says 80, radio is 81% more trustworthy than cable TV, 27% more trustworthy than network TV, 36% more trustworthy than public TV or radio, and two times more trustworthy than social media. Interesting study in light of the fact that I spent 30 years of my career in television, and you know, I thought we were pretty trustworthy, but I can see what they're saying with audio because audio feels very intimate. When you're listening to a podcast, whether it's this podcast or any other podcast, you're most likely by yourself. Maybe you're running errands or you're working out. I know that I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm by myself, so it feels like a more intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I think that's the case with any kind of audio medium, whether it's radio or podcasting or, or digital or, or through the app. Um, but it's just a very comfortable medium to listen to. So I hope you are enjoying uh, this podcast and I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line. You can go to my website, ChristinaMendonca.com. Reach me there. You can reach me through any of my social media pages. And you can also reach me through the KFBK.com website. Uh, again, this is a fresh agenda. Thanks again for being here. More great podcasts coming your way soon. I'm Christina Mendonca. Let's stay connected. This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.